It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Turns out the scissors was not the fine idea I thought it was. I, maybe, I mean, maybe we should use a bowl instead of a cup. The cup has worked. Okay, all right. I mean, now is a strange time to be objecting to the cup. But... Well, no, let's not reinvent the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. Episode letter M. I'm Ed. I'm Peter. That's Ed and Peter. And today we're doing letter M. I have the cup full of words. There's a word in there that I've tossed in that I really hope comes out, but I'm not gonna not gonna say what it is until we find out. <laughs> and I'm shaking up the cup. Say when, Peter. Uh, let's do it now. Okay. And it is. Uh, not the one I wanted. It is the Mid-Atlantic dialect. Now, for those listening, the word that I wanted was Mickey Mouse because I could talk about Mickey Mouse for. Ever, but instead we will now talk about the Mid-Atlantic dialect. Peter, do you also, know? Also, just for those listening, uh, Ed is also responsible for having put the Mid-Atlantic dialect in the cup. That's true. That's true. It is. <laughs> it is also one of my other ones. That's that's a so fair. You kind of wanted it also, so it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. That's that's a fair commentary. So, Peter, shall I define the Mid-Atlantic dialect, or would you like to take? Yeah, you, you put it in there. Okay, so the Mid-Atlantic dialect is most commonly remembered as that funny sort of 1930s, 1940s movie voice that's like, uh, Dateline, New York, and, uh, you know, uh, you, 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 you didn't figure I'd check Misty's bra for the microfilm, but I gotcha there, doll. It's that strange movie-specific dialect that people used to talk in. And... See, I have a slightly different definition of it. Though. Okay, go. Yeah, go. Um, and it's close. I mean, I agree that it's, a, it's specific to sort of movies from that era. Um, but for me, it's more like, you know how American actors from that time and actresses specifically, uh, sounded like they were trying to kind of be British, but they aren't. Yeah. So there's, yeah. that's, that's what that is. There's a very specific, I think a lot of the history of it is a bit idiomatic, but I'll, I'll, I'll break down what is probably partly fable, but the story of it, um, <clears throat> is what happened was. When they first made films from, you know, the 1890s to the early 1920s, there were silent films. And so people from anywhere in the world could be famous actors. And so you got people coming from America and people coming from England and you had people like uh, uh, Boris Karloff and, and Bela Lugosi. Bela Lugosi, who came from Hungary. And then they... He, he is dead, according to the song, yeah. But you had all these people coming who could be in silent movies because their accent didn't matter and whether they even really spoke English that well didn't matter. And what happened was that people would go to the movies uh, and people in the audience in England would imagine an English voice for this actor. People who went to the movies in America would imagine an American voice for this actor. People who went to the movies in Hungary would imagine a Hungarian voice for this actor, etc, etc, etc. And then when... Uh, sound pictures, the talkies, came in, those actors sort of waned in popularity, and people think it's because they had strange voices. They didn't necessarily have strange voices. They just didn't have the voices that people had imagined for them in their head. You know, suddenly, right. suddenly, um, who's a good example? Suddenly John Gilbert is talking, and somebody in England is like, wait, why is John Gilbert talking like that? He doesn't talk like that. And somebody in America is thinking, why does he talk like that? And so what the movie studios did was they said, we need to have a movie accent, a universal movie accent 
so that there's this one way that people talk and they created this fake dialect called the mid-atlantic dialect because it's you know part english part american mid-atlantic and they started teaching it to their actors that's fascinating yeah so it's like um uh what's that language that that swiss guy tried to invent that was supposed to be a universal language that oh, we would all... what is that called yeah Listeners, it's time it's time to leave us a voicemail let us know the name of the the attempt at inventing a universal language that I, I think Esperanza. largely physical. It's called Esperanto. Esperanto, okay. Yeah, yes, I remember, that's right. So I remember the Mid-Atlantic the, the Mid-Atlantic accent is like the the linguistic like the pronunciation equivalent of, of Esperanto. Yeah, exactly. You know William Shatner did a movie entirely in Esperanto? Just a movie. No, that I didn't. Nobody if, could if, be... if anyone were to do it, I, I believe <laughs> it would be William Shatner. Now, let me ask you, have you ever seen a silent movie? Have you ever sat through an entire silent movie? Yeah. yeah, I like them. Such as? Um, I, uh, who are those? I'm trying to remember. Uh, I, I, I can't remember the names of actors who are still alive, never the mind. <laughs> <laughs> films from the past. Uh, but I, I actually, I helped design a restaurant once, and one of the sort of features in the dining room was a wall it was a it had been a brick wall and we painted it out white and then we had a projector uh and we just ran silent movies on this this wall all day as a as a feature in the dining room and it was great for kids they'd come in they were fascinated so we did a lot of westerns uh or a lot of really great black and white silent western films uh and then again for the kids we did a lot of those kind of slapstick things you know guys with ladders and cans of paint and horseshoes and yeah. whatnot and, you know and a lot of the really good stuff was french too like uh everyone knows like uh voyage dans la lune you know the the, yeah. the the smashing pumpkins music video where where they crash into the moon and, and he's made it a whipped cream and whatnot i will admit um, i do not know it from the smash i know it from actually the film the uh what's the name george mia film Mille? yeah, Mille? yeah. Mille? how would you pronounce it I did not anyway, know. Yeah, George, we know he's he's great. Uh, if you want to watch a silent film, watch watch some of his stuff. <laughs> I did not know it was in a in a Smashing Pumpkins video. Is this is this actually the case? Yeah, there's. Uh, I think it's the video for Tonight Tonight, and uh, they basically rip off the entire movie with the Smashing Pumpkins doing it. Right. So yeah, so they 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 created this this forced accent. Like, I mean, you're right. It's exactly like Esperanza, except Esperanza didn't take off. They created this forced accent for actors because it was a very different. Um, system back in those days I, I, I don't think people realize this or remember this is that back in the days you worked for a studio and the studio just put you in whatever film they wanted you worked on a, a weekly salary if you were an actor you had pretty much a blue collar job until you got quite famous but when you started as an actor they would sign you at you know $200 a week and they would say we'll put you in whatever movies are available whatever shooting in our back lot and they, they made them go through classes and they said, we'll teach you. And by you. the way, you're going to learn to speak differently. Exactly. Well, that's the thing is they said, we're also going to teach you how to dance. We're going to teach you how to uh, do dinner service. We're going to teach you how to do trick writing. Uh, we're going to teach you how to speak so, properly. The impression that I get, though, is that like unlike Esperanto, the mid-Atlantic accent took off. Like, Didn't it become sort of fashionable because the celebrities of the day were speaking that way? So Definitely. there was a certain class of people who emulated the mid-Atlantic accent, so you end up with like, and I'm trying to think, again, I'm, I'm no good with names, but I can, you can still, I can think of, I can hear in my head people speaking that way and thinking it's really, really odd. Well, and, 
the other big thing is that that became the voice of the news. That became the voice of all the newsreels. There was a guy called uh, Westbrook Van Voorhees, which is an amazing, an amazing name (laughs) for history. There was a guy uh, called Westbrook Van Voorhees, and he was the guy who was the the voice of those newsreels that would play before the movies. So all of those things, like when people first started to learn about, uh, you know, World War Two and the industry of the 1950s and all of those things that came out on newsreels in the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s were all presented in this mid-Atlantic accent. So it also became the voice of the voice of knowledge, essentially. Actually, that guy, Voorhees, earned the nickname the Voice of Doom because he was the guy who was always bringing these news stories to people. Oh, wow. Um, that's really interesting. I wonder if that relates to Jason Voorhees in, in any way. Yeah, I, I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if somebody was like, "We've got to give him a great last name, and it's got to. It's really got to spell Doom." Who do we know that really that we can associate with Doom? Yeah. Um, just to, I, I, that reminded me. You didn't grow up in Toronto. Uh, I didn't I did grow not. up in Toronto either, but I grew up close enough to Toronto that City TV was a big thing. That's a local TV station here, and. There is a guy named Mark Daly, or Mark Daly, Mark Daly, and he passed away, I think, uh, a number of years ago. Uh, but everyone knows him as the voice of this of City TV, okay? Because he he was the guy who announced everything. He was always the the the, the voice in the background saying, "Coming up next is this show," or yeah. "Stay tuned for the for this." And I remember feeling like a palpable loss when he passed because. Uh, I I grew up with his voice in my head, uh, and and I think a lot of Toronto kids will will remember him fondly as well. Now, if anybody's curious, there is actually a term for that. Um, I am a I, to those who don't know, I am a voiceover performer myself, and that is called uh, the imaging process. So it's called either radio imaging or television imaging, where they get one person to do the voices for all the bumpers and all the advertisements, just so they have that that particular image of the station in mind. What was your What was that guy's name? Daily. Mark Daly. Mark Daly. R.I.P. Mark Daly, the voice of yeah. City TV. Yeah. You don't yeah, see. Man. You don't seem too torn up about it. I was. I was We're trying to. Taking a moment of silence. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to. I'm going to finish the story before we. Before yeah. we move on. Yeah, yeah. So you would get contracted to a studio. They would teach you everything that you had to do, and then they would essentially design an actor. They would say, you know, this guy is quite good at dancing. He's got quite a nice look. We'll make him a leading man. And then they'll say, well, this guy's this guy's French, and you know, people don't like French people, and he's got a little bit of a French accent. We'll make him a villain. And then they'd say, and you know, this guy, he's he's six foot two. He's a bit burly. We'll make him a cowboy actor. And they literally just would. They would say, you are this kind of actor. You are this kind of actor. You'll make six movies a year for us as a cowboy actor. You'll make four movies a year for us as a as a leading man. You'll make two movies a year as a villain. And that was how the movie business worked. You just worked for one studio. Yeah. But then the problem so when was... Did when did people become sort of free agents? So here's what happened. The problem was that the studios would put you on a weekly contract and pay you a weekly salary. They would pay you... Say you were quite a successful actor, they would pay you $1,500 a week. But then another movie studio could say, that person is such a star, we want them in our picture, which would happen a lot. And so then you would get loaned out to another studio, and that studio would have to pay maybe $15,000 to keep that person for one week. And that $15,000 would be paid to the studio, the studio would pay you your $1,500 weekly salary, and keep the rest. And whatever came from that other studio, you didn't get. Even though you were making $15,000 a week, because you were on contract to that studio, 
they would keep all the rest. You would only get your weekly salary. Right. So you were like you were like a vacuum cleaner or something. You were just being rented out. Exactly. Like and so eventually, when the studio system started to break down, that's when actors started to um, break free of that system and, and make themselves so into they, free did agents. Did they unionize or something? Is that how they that did? They, well, they have the the Screen Actors Guild, and then they also had uh, something called United Artists, which was a, a film studio run by actors and then yeah eventually the studio system broke down uh sort of by the mid 1970s i think um what is his name Clint Eastwood. Wait, wait. so because i i also feel like people stopped using the mid-atlantic accent around the 70s yeah i mean it probably correlates like, is there a direct correlation yeah between the people who were, were educated in these studio schools and then slowly started to wane in popularity see that's really fucking interesting yeah so, I think we should stop here. I think this. Well, uh, before we go, and you know, I might have to edit this out a little bit. Before we go, I'm going to play a voicemail that we received, because um, Peter. It's our up, first one. Peter set up a voicemail function on the on the site, and it was just, it was such a strange idea, <laughs> but somehow it paid off. Just really want to hear people's voices. And uh, <laughs> we have we have a. Uh, we have. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try and make you know some sort of audio for this. Some sort of song that's gonna introduce voicemail minute. And you nice. know, once this has been edited, I'm sure you'll hear something fancy that I've created. But here it comes. Here's our voicemail from a a, a friendly listener. Voicemail minute. I just wanted to say that when you were talking about how you undid all of your pipes and the blue pebbles were coming out. I definitely thought there were going to be aquarium pebbles and you were going to find a big calcified dead fish corpse. So the poop was actually a relief. Now, the poop was actually a relief is a fantastic... Oh, it's playing again. The poop was actually a relief is a fantastic sentence. And I would like to ask you something, Peter. Um, when I began that story... And I said that there, there were these little pebbles coming out. You immediately said, oh, I think I know what this is. Did you also think it was a fish? Yeah. Yeah? There you go. Wow. See, I thought you knew. I thought because you had cats and because you dealt with litter, you knew that it was going to be a, a litter story. But no, apparently the fish... No, was... I, I, I thought it was going to be a fish as well. So uh, thank you to that astute listener. Thank you to that astute listener. And remember, guys, if you send us a voicemail... It will be played on the show, as long as it's not, you know, some sort of weird rant against the government. Although, then, you, like, yeah. you would also never know. Like, you would have to leave us another voicemail complaining that we hadn't played your previous voicemail. That's and true. then we might play that one. Yeah, so it's a win-win situation, <laughs> either way. Um, Peter, would you like to tell people about the website? Uh, it is uh, podpage.com slash ed-peter, and you can find... The means leave us a voicemail there on the right hand side of the page, yeah. and you can do a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Okay, good. And merchandise? Yeah, it's there. It's all on the website. Just go there. You're a world class salesman, Peter. I think that if you owned a store, you would you would be sold out every day. I'm, I'm a straight shooter. <laughs> yeah, if you own if you owned a store, your your sales pitch would be: Do you want it? Then buy it. If you don't, then leave. Yeah, that that would be ideal. <laughs> Bloody beautiful. All right, I'm in. I'm Peter. Thanks for listening.